a, a million, just just short of a million in the past quarter, which which was which was half of what they projected. They they projected two million, and they were, so that's a win. So they were able to say we only lost nine hundred. It's not as bad as we thought. That's literally the quote of like of Reed Hastings. So it's kind of strange. But I think though, blonde is going to bring back a lot of people. So I, I think the quality. I think the quality of this is what people are looking for. In a world where you only have trailers and posters to judge a movie, Jim and Ted strike out to answer the age-old question, will you see it? Hello, Ted. It's episode 201 of the Trailer Junkies podcast. How the heck are you? Good, Jim. How are you? Yeah, doing okay. Doing okay. So uh, we got some trailers, a couple of good ones tonight. I have a lot to say about the Dungeons and Dragons one. <laughs> I only have one thing to say, and I, I'm hoping that my one thing that I have to say doesn't overlap with yours, because I know you're the big D&D angle, so I, I'm leaving that to you. But I have one thing to say, and that's, I'm, gonna, I'm, in, I'm, I'm excited to hear if we overlap. Okay, cool. Well, hold that. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm also looking into the uh, NC-17 trailer we have tonight. Well, the movie's <laughs> NC-17, not the trailer. Is it really? Is it really yeah. NC-17? Oh, yeah. That's nice. So then, uh, but other than that, let's do beer, and then we can get yeah. into week, and then we can get into, you know, trailers and okay. what we're watching, all the rest of a typical show. So what do you have tonight? Well, I apologize. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> show beers have not been uh, been procured from uh, from the store this week. So I, I went to Amazon Fresh, and I actually didn't go in the little beer section. I went to Amazon Fresh a couple times, but I meant to go in the beer section, and I didn't. They have some good beers, don't they? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see next time. Are they typical? Are they like Vons? They're kind of like a Vons. They're kind of like an everyman thing. Oh, okay, for the beer section, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't even go in the little corral. They actually have a separate corral. Um, but more on that when we get in the week. But I, I'm still on the Voodoo Ranger. I had a six pack of Voodoo Ranger from our friend. Um, so I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna knock out these these Voodoo Ranger uh, juicy hazy IPA. Okay, I have a few of those too in the fridge, and I got one yesterday. It was like seventy seven something or other. Uh-huh. It's like their monthly like uh, uh, I don't know seasonals. Like, seasonals whatever right right and man this one i said clarissa this one's all you it's not <laughs> great uh-oh what do you have but i'm going to adjust the name of the brewery well which one do you have really quick i just have the voodoo ranger juicy hazy ipa the same one as last week juicy yeah. hazy okay that's fine um i'm going to adjust the name of the brewery uh-oh and Is instead it- of calling it bottle logic i'm gonna call it can logic can logic i love it <laughs> Um, it's mint condition. Oh, I've had that. That's really good. You've had this. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at Imperial Stout brewed with mint, cacao nibs, and lactose sugar. It's a 10%. Nice. Yeah. I mean, Bottle Logic. So out of Anaheim. And so Bottle Logic, for the bottle of that, you pay $35 to $40. 
but yet the can it it discounts it ex, ex, it comes it pulls it into single digits. I think it's like either around ten dollars or or definitely below fifteen dollars. What do you do? You remember what you paid for that one? I don't remember, but I would say it was probably around ten uh, ish. Yeah, so it's like a third or under less than a third of the price when they can it instead of bottling it. I was like, what's the what's the big mystery here? Like, is it just the batch? You know, like. It's amazing. So I don't know. Yeah, I got it at uh, uh, the back room over at Valley Brewers and Solving. Oh, nice. You know, Sandy sells a bunch of this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, no, it's and great. Has, like great beer. So have you ever um, like I know there's C's candy, but then there's like Old Marshall Fields in Chicago. And now I think it's it's owned by Macy's, but they would have their uh, chocolate mint, like little drops sort of thing. Right. That they'd sell around the holidays and such. Uh huh. Or like the York peppermint patties. Is it like the is it like that? Uh, not even. It's more chocolatey mint than it is like Coke. So more like Andy's and Andy's candies, like the ones with the little a little bit. Yeah. 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 That was the one when I was growing up, the Andy's Candies, the little yeah. green flavor. So that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's exactly the flavor of what we used to get at Marshall Fields, you know, when it was on State Street there, and they would sell, like, the box of mint chocolates. Yeah. And that's exactly what this is, is Marshall Fields mint chocolates. So, I mean, it's great, but I'm just saying. It's- since, you're, since you're talking regionally, I have a, I have a California confession to make. Okay. And my wife Anne and I do not like C's candy, and I know we will be will be kicked out of. I'm not a fan. It's okay. I mean, I'm not saying I. We'll be kicked out of California if we say this too loud. If we if we say we don't like C's candy, it's such a California tradition, you know. If somebody offered me like dark chocolate almonds, yeah, okay, sure, dark chocolate like almonds slathered in dark chocolate of course i'm gonna eat it but i agree with you though i'm not a huge fan of c's either yeah it's hyped it's hyped you know well i i think so i think so all right man so uh really quick i'll get to my week and then uh, i'll jump out i mean i don't have a lot to say it feels like it was a short week right it feels like it a little bit yeah but i mean this is i'm you know i'm back to work a normal week yeah, normal week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm back to work. Got uh, work started. So summer ended. I get about five weeks off for summer. Summer ended Wednesday, you know, so I got back Wednesday. I mean, like I said, the summer went quick. Uh, so three days this week. I'm next week. Then I'm off for a week in Colorado racing Leadville. Okay. And then uh, August 15th is my first day. Well, my first day with the back kids, with kids back yeah. and, and the boys first day of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike's going to be second grade and Tim's fourth grade. Wow. And I know it's crazy how big, you know, well, as you as you would well know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's my week back to work. And uh, it just is what it is. Picking up where I left off. And yeah. It's like it never it never ended. No, nothing happened. No, nobody. Nobody finished that stuff for you while you're gone for the exactly. summer. <laughs> You came back to the same pile of <laughs> stuff. Well, I do walk in, right? So there's nobody there for five weeks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my office is like Herman Munster's house. I mean, the cobwebs are ridiculous. <laughs> so I clean my office. Everything gets all, you know, I move the desk. I sweep. I do, you know, whatever it is. Man, it's like I, I scrub the sink and the. <laughs> I clean out the fridge. I do the whole thing, you know. You have your own kitchen? It used to be a break room. Oh, your office used to be a break room. That's crazy. Yeah. So 
I have a sink, microwave, and refrigerator <laughs> in there. You know? So I'm just like, and every once in a while, they're like, Jim, I know you're on this side of the fence. And, you know, I'm like, no, man, I love my office because I could go there like on a Sunday, right? Uh huh. If I had to, I don't usually, but if I had to, I could go there on a Sunday get in my office because it's on the outside of the of the uh, the campus. Right. Whereas if I was where they want to keep putting me every year, I would be on the other side of the fence and I couldn't get to my office because the Ugh. fence would be locked. Right, right, right. So I'm like, no, leave me there. I got a sink, <laughs> microwave, refrigerator. I have a place uh, to park the bike. You know, like I could get there on the weekends. I could do whatever comforts. I need to do. Oh, dude, I'm so comforts. used to it. And what I like <laughs> is I could see everybody who walks on the campus. So I have okay. no surprises. <laughs> yeah. So how about you? How was your week? I had a good week, um, like like you, pretty standard week. I'm I'm actually getting back into the swing of going in uh, pretty regularly. Uh, we're kind of happy. How many days a week now are you at work? In in the office, I mean. In the office, uh, I'm tr- you know I went five days this week. So I mean, what? I'm I'm only there from like eight o'clock in the morning till noon because th- okay. that's the time that Audrey's in water polo. So I just go and basically hang out and do work from the office while Audrey's at water polo. Sure. And then pick her up because it's like five minutes away from water polo and home is, you know, what, half an hour, 40, 40 minutes away, depending on traffic. And she's a senior this year? She's a junior this year. Junior this year. She's okay. got two more years. And she's varsity, though. She got word... They kind of they haven't had tryouts, so officially she's not varsity. She was on JV last year. So wait, she wins all kinds of like water polo awards. Yeah, she's scoring all kinds of goals. Yeah. She's a junior. She's got to. Well, she's a junior. She's she's gonna be varsity. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So they so they so they were like, oh yeah, you're you're varsity, but you know tryouts are next week or the week after next. So it's not official, but. She was the captain of the JV team, one of the captains of the JV team. Right. You know, she, she's she's kicking ass in the summer program. You know, she's she's there with the boys, you know, doing the boys workouts because I'm like body slamming boys <laughs> on the deck, you know, <laughs> while these boys are trying to like deadlift more than her and stuff. And it's like, come on, just leave her alone. You know. Um, oh, so it's not in the pool. They're like weightlifting and stuff. They do a they do a mix. You know, they are they meet five days a week. Uh, two hours a day, each of them. So she does two hours with the boys and then two hours with the girls. Right. And they mix in dry land, which is a mix of weight training and conditioning of running and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So, and then they do drills in the water and they have, they have these thing called sets where you have to do a certain number of laps in certain ways, certain conditions. And, you know, she's like, she's catching all the stragglers, you know, there's a bunch of new girls there trying to figure out what they're doing. Some of them don't know what to do. Some of them like, Want a skirt? She comes swimming past, cracks him in the ass, keeps going. You know? <laughs> no, she's just making sure people are getting their sets done. And, and Right, I got you. And the new kids that are there don't fall into bad habits or follow the wrong crowd kind of thing. So, yeah. Now, is so. she, um, I know water polo and stuff, but is she also on the swim team? She is, but I don't know. That's more conditioning for water polo, though. Yeah, now it's conditioning for water polo, and it's really like, for somebody who's been swimming her whole life, like 
since she was like four. I guess she's been on the on some some kind of swim team. Six, maybe. Really? And like wow. she loved it. She loved it for the longest time, but only one season of water polo. And now she's like, swimming's kind of boring. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I just go up and down and nobody's in my lane and there's nothing, no, no, no point to it. You know, she wants to like dunk chicks and, you know, she just wants to, she wants to, she wants to, you know, pass the ball, catch the ball, score, dunk people, you know, exactly. And get her hands on, on people, you know, on people's shoulders and stuff. The like uh, the below the water antics <laughs> that go on, right? I'm just egg breeding over here. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, so so I've been going in there. So yeah, so she's she's kind of captaining that the coaches are like, oh, if if you see somebody shorten their sets, you know, go ahead and take care of that. You know what I mean? Like really giving giving her the reins and giving her a leadership role and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 very very nice, very cool. Yeah. So then this week, besides that, we have uh, we have a new Amazon Fresh, which took over one of the Ralphs here. Is that the store where you walk in, but like there's no one working there? <laughs> it's not. OK, so no. So it's it's not that no one's working there. There's tons of people working there. OK, there's there's no cash there. And, and there's cashiers, too. So basically they have turnstiles. And you can you scan your Amazon Prime card, you know, your digital, your digital in-store card. You can scan, you scan it as you enter. Is that on your phone? It's on your phone. You just open the app and it says in-store code and you click on that and you scan that little QR code. You know, it's a little diamond QR code. You scan it and a turnstile opens and you go through the turnstile. Now, as you go through that turnstile, you then you just take the stuff off the shelves you want. And then you exit, you scan your card and you exit. And as you exit, they're like, and I'm like, can I get a receipt? How do I get my receipt? And they're like, anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour later, you'll get uh, a charge on your Amazon Prime account and it'll be for the items that you bought here. Okay. So basically you just walk in and the first time we went in, Audrey and I were just getting stuff and we were getting some things and we're like, oh, look, that's actually a bag of bananas instead of all these individual bananas. Let's get that instead. So we put like 10 bananas in the cart loose and then we're like, then we took them out, put them back and got a bag of bananas, you know, and like, and I'm like, oh, I wonder how it's going to do all this, you know? And we got some meat, which they they have a, 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 a butcher back there, and he's he's bagging up the meat and scanning it for you. So how's the is the meat good? I mean, it's got to be amazing, I would think. Well, yeah, we'll we we seasoned it and seasoned it tonight. We're gonna have it tomorrow night. There's uh, some some nice steaks that we got. Very top prime, like <laughs> very high price steaks. So so it better be good. So it's like. A prime cut instead of like choice cut. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we get out of there and I'm like, oh, this bag of this, this little bag of ginger is not very good. Like, and Anne's, Anne's upset because it has like little mold on the edges and stuff. Oh, sometimes, sometimes, you know, mold on the edges. That cut it off. Cut it off and go back. But it's, you know, we kind of paid top dollar for that. You know, it was like, and everything's sold by, it's not, there's not a lot of weight, you know, all the, like the butchers will wait. So they scan it. Um, but everything else is kind of just like one piece or bagged up kind of like Costco where you don't, it's all pre-weighed or, you know, or, or like that. So we get out of there and 
you know, it charges us. And then she's like, return the ginger because I don't like it. So we go back to return the ginger and it missed, it missed the ginger. So the guy was like, the guy, the cashier, like the return area, he's like, oh, just, you know, that's yours. You can keep that. We didn't charge you for it. Oh, so it never charged you to begin with. Right, right. It didn't charge us for the ginger. And I was like, well, how am I going to walk out of here with it? Because all the cameras and he's like, I don't know, just like, and, he, and I was like, all right, I'm going to put this in my pocket just so you know that I'm not Now it's going it. to charge you. And now it's like, it's going to charge me. It's going to charge me. Right. And then I had Bryce with me for that return. And I'm like, oh, let me, let me, we'll really test the system here. Cause when Audrey and I were doing it, we were together the whole time. And I was like, all right, so Bryce and I will enter together, but then I have to go back and get the ginger. I left it in the car. So I went back to get the ginger and I'm like, ooh, now Bryce is in the store shopping, but he's without me. And he picked up some ramen noodles or whatever he wanted for the day. And then I come back and I'm picking up a couple of things. And then we walk out and I'm like, Ooh, I wonder how it does it, you know? And like, so it, it has to review all the footage from when you're in the store. And then it sends you an email or a text message with, with the, the stuff at charge work. And it, it captures everything. I don't know how it does it. Who's capturing it. Like, I mean, like it's just a, there's, ca- there's, a, there's thousands of cameras in the, in the ceiling. Oh man. And they just, they just you videotape the whole time you're in there and then they just see what you pick up and put down and do all that stuff. So it's very interesting. It's a little high priced. I was going to ask like how the prices were compared to like uh, a, a standard market. Yeah. I think meat and, and vegetables and stuff. I wouldn't probably shop there for that. I think Costco and, and Super King are definitely my go-to, but if, but if I just doing grab and go stuff or even some prepared foods, it's like on par with like whole foods. So it seems okay. Okay. Like we, have uh here here in town we have like say foods co uh-huh. which is kind of uh it's supermarket but like maybe for staples okay you know you're like box of rice krispies mm-hmm. you know like a box of rice krispies is a box of rice krispies their prices are definitely better than say albertson's or vons or any of that stuff right however their meat and vegetable well their vegetables are pretty good but their meat is decent but it wouldn't be one of those like prime cuts versus a choice cut right uh-huh, uh-huh. we have a place called it's a, it's a super small place central coast specialty foods and i mean you're talking like primo food i mean like if you want to make a fantastic meal with premier ingredients this is the place to go nice however you pay for it it's it's quite expensive <laughs> And then there's the market in the village, which their meat counter is definitely pretty good. Uh, most everything else is like just your standard, like again, a box race Krispies, but it tends to be just a little bit higher than the average places right. because it's a smaller place. But their meat counter, they have a decent beer selection. Um, they have great wine selection, stuff like that. So we cool. have a bunch of places like that kind of run the gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the Amazon stuff, though. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That was funny because I said, Audrey, the car drove us here. Now we're shopping without without any cashier <laughs> checking us out. <laughs> we're shopping with cameras. You're li- living the, cars, the automated the cars, life. You're, the you're car's going to drive us home. I know, I know. Well, I have a little what we're watching. I'll I'll tease that too. Okay. Um, but then but then yesterday, thank you for recording on Saturday. Here on Friday is our annual trip to Disneyland for Goofy Day. Oh, that's such a goofy tradition you guys so. have. <laughs> so in tw- 2012. Uh, the kids took a picture with Goofy 
And then a few years later, I don't know whether it was like 2016, it, it happened. It just happened by chance on the same day. We go to Disneyland a lot, you know, if we work at, work at yeah, Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go to Disneyland a lot. But then we did it again, and the kids kind of like goofy. And then we did it again the same the next year. And by then, we have three different um, years where we <laughs> have pictures with Goofy. And I'm like... Well, you sent me like the... It was like six, six years in yeah, a row exactly, or something. Exactly. And the way they change over... Over the years is incredible. Yeah, I mean, I had I had initially said like, oh my, you know, when the kid when Audrey was born, I'm like, I'm gonna take a picture every day in the red in my red chair to see how Audrey has grown up over the years. And of course, you try to do something like that and after a month, you're just so tired from having children that that it kind of falls off. Well, people have done that where they took pictures every day, like or well uh, every week or something. Every, yeah. For like decades, and you can see how they change over the years when they overlay it, and it's like, wow, you know, like you don't really realize how much you change. Yeah. But. Well, that's more dedication than I have. I I like I one, one one time one time a year if we can get just July 29th. Get into Disneyland. Get That's in there such for a goofy, goofy date, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was cool because we had uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. They came with oh, uh, cool. with Mila, yeah. so we had a couple uh, family time there, and we don't get to see them a lot. Um, so that was nice. And it, it's his. It was his birthday a couple days ago. So oh, speaking of which, I kind of guess I buried the lead. Colonoscopy this week. Thank God. Oh, oh, did, is it over? Over, done. Were you like, uh, what do they call it? Like, I forget the actual term, but like the twilight, is that what you were in? Or No, it was, I, so I was told, I was like, she was like, well, you, you're just going to take a nap. It'll, it won't be the full uh, anesthesia. And I was like, really? Right. Because I want to be out, like knock, knock me out. No, if it's full, then they innovate you. Oh, okay. Then it wasn't that. Yeah, no, I had the twilight. Like, I, I remember it. Like, I remember watching it. I remember talking to him. It was about 35 minutes, they said. And to me, it felt like 35 seconds. Okay. I'm like, oh, I'm here. I'm doing all this stuff. And next thing you know, I'm like in the recovery room. I'm like, holy cow, that was fast. <laughs> That's you and Anne. And I'm just like, I was in there and I and I said, uh, and the anesthesiologist was like, we're going to give you something just to make you feel good before I push the, the regular, you know, the anesthesia. Right. And I was like, okay, I'll just close my eyes. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just, you know, my leg is up where they want it to be and like my eyes, eyes are closed. And then they're like, all right, you're in recovery. And I'm like, oh, thank God. I, I did not want to be awake even for 35 seconds of this thing. Yeah. I, I watched <laughs> it on TV, man. It was crazy. And I remember when he pulled, I don't know, he snipped something like. Snipped that polyp out. That polyp right by like the opening. Uh huh. And man, I remember like clinching the butt cheeks on that really oh man it hurt it hurt like okay well see i'm glad i was out because yes i too had a polyp and uh when we're when we're in line at disneyland we're in line for rise of the resistance and i get a weird phone number and i always answer weird numbers because you never know and it's the doctor And, and like of course i'm in the loudest the loudest part of disneyland and he's like we did the test. It's it's uh, what do you call it? He said benign? it's extreme. He said it's extremely benign. It's oh, not. Good, it's good. not even precancerous. He said. He said ten years. You, you got ten years. I'm like sweet. Ten year clear is the best. <laughs> I got the ten years too. So very cool. Honestly, the 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 colonoscopy is a breeze. It's the day of prep 
prior it's the prep yeah I didn't realize I had that much shit in me. <laughs> like you think you take a dump, right? And you're like, oh my God, I'm so empty. And then you start drinking that stuff. I mean, it just blows it all out of you. Yeah. No, I was very lucky that, well, lucky. It's, it's definitely how you look at it. But because we had just come back from Egypt, Egypt messed up my GI like crazy. Like I was. Oh, cleared you out. I was already. I, I was cleared out from Egypt and I, we had just enough time to be cleared out and then have the two weeks or something before my procedure and then have regular bowel movements <laughs> coming up right up to the, the colon prep. And that colon prep, the colon prep he gave us, he gave me was just like over the counter. It's basically like overdosing on uh, Dulcolax and Marilax. And it's just by, by a prescribed amount, like take four, you know, four laxatives instead of like two and and take this whole bottle of, of Miralax and you just you just cut, kind of do it in two shifts. And it's so much less liquid than what you and and Anne were drinking. Oh, man, I drink a gallon of this thing. It was yeah. like it was horrific. Right. I, I guess. So did you lose like, OK, so I started the procedure 167 pounds and I think I went into the, uh, the the colonoscopy, the procedure, like 159 pounds. I lost like eight pounds uh -huh. in, the, in the whole process. You know, dehydration, I'm sure, right. was part of that and stuff. But did you find that when you stepped on the scale, like you were significantly lighter or? No, because I had stepped on the scale before and after Egypt and stuff. And I was just like so disappointed. <laughs> like, I'm like, forget this. I'm not weighing myself. I've already been emptied. Keep <laughs> touch for Revenge didn't get me. No, I know it didn't. It didn't work. It didn't work. It's magic. Um, but yeah, I just. I mean, I felt clear. You know, clear and clean. And uh, clear, clear. And then they were like, "Oh, take it easy, getting back into food." And I was like, "Okay." But we went to Mar. Oh, dude, I. They told me the same. I, I forget. I think I had like a double cheeseburger with fries, <laughs> and a milkshake. I, I had surf and turf. I went to Lady Marmalade. I'm not Lady Marmalade. Beautiful. I went to Marmalade Cafe and had surf and turf, and I was like. This is not going to hit well, but it, it I did I handled it beautifully. Yeah, so I, I did too. I mean, th <laughs> they told me the same. Like I said, and, you know, I'm I'm eating like cheeseburgers and shit. And, you know, it's like you know I'm I'm waiting for like the the other the other the other uh, the other foot to drop, and it never did. <laughs> it never right. did. I was fine. Yeah. All right, man. Cool. So let's talk about another hot ass. <laughs> uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yes. So Blonde, which is on Netflix and uh -huh. is an NC-17. There's got to be some hot banging in that. <laughs> Her and Jack Kennedy, right? Oh my God! I hope I, I don't know. Or Joe DiMaggio? I don't know. Yeah, there's so many, right? There's so many. Yeah, she's a gorgeous woman. Yeah, and Anna De Armas, like I, I can't get over. You don't think she's a good Marilyn Monroe? No, she's phenomenal. I, I can't get over her, her, her range in this early in her career. Oh yeah. I mean, she's gone from the frumpy maid in Knives Out, so, so underplayed that, you know, even her co-stars. You guys are huge fans. Oh, huge fans. He, uh, her co-stars in Knives Out, 
uh, I think it was Jamie Lee Curtis was like, I didn't even know who this person was. <laughs> like, and now, and now she's been in bond as a CIA agent, you know, fresh, freshly trained. She did great in that movie. Then she was in the gray man, which she played another CIA agent, but much more, uh, fully trained in that one. And she's phenomenal in that. She, you know, she's running fully geared up, like <laughs> and doing like full on choreographed battle scenes, with one, you know, hand-to-hand combat. Just if you haven't seen Gray Man, uh, like no, I have not, but I, I I will put it on the list. Gray Man on uh, Gray Man on Netflix is phenomenal. Now, another this blonde with Netflix, uh, her deal is is amazing. Uh, she she does this embodiment that is, you know, I think uh, Natalie Portman did it with when she did Jackie in that biopic. You know, they really they they channel it, and it's and it and she's she's stirringly like gives you chills when she says what she says and you kind of feel the pain you feel the pain of the of of the 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 fishbowl life that that Marilyn had well yeah and I think you're absolutely right about that and that's what I had in my notes where like I absolutely love the underlying theme that runs throughout the trailer where you just you like you're feeding off that inner conflict between Marilyn Monroe and Norma Jean right and how she's just like I, I can't be this person every day. Right. You know what everyone expects me to be and so on. And like you see her run into the tree uh-huh. with the uh-huh. car and it's almost like that. She scratched her face. The, to me, the scratching of her face was just like. Yeah. Scratches her face, runs into the tree. Uh. And as we know how trailers go, they're not linear. Right. So somewhere in there, they show her like sweaty crashing down on the bed. And that might be the overdose on the barbiturates. Right, right. Anywhere in there. I think I think I was reading she died at 36. And like when you think about it, like the way this shows it is she's been trying to kill herself for like a long time until she just overdoses. Yeah. So she must have like as amazing as her fame was she must have hated it and hated herself for it. Yeah. But Ugh. I mean, and I think you and I love this trailer. It's a really, really well crafted to color. And I love the, the black and white to color tit for tat as it moves throughout the trailer. And even the color, the colorized parts had a certain cinematic quality to it where it it had like you could tell the color from the different eras. Right. So I love I love that. I love the quality of the color changing throughout. And while the action and while many of the scenes were cut together in a nonlinear fashion, which we are accustomed to, um, the the story of the interview is extremely linear. It has a beginning, middle and end. It it really hangs on the idea of Marilyn's only up on the screen. Like to me, that was so poignant of a point to be like, she's Norma Jean regardless of where she is when she enters the the dressing when she exits the dressing while she's being filmed she's still norma jean but when the image comes off of the screen to the audience in in the theater that is where marilyn is created and i'm just i love that crystallized idea of what a true movie star is now and because now it's like it's a little less, it's more intimate you know what i mean everybody's a streaming star you know what i mean like you don't get you watch it you know half the stuff you watch on your 
big screen at home, many people watch 75% of their stuff on, on their phone or, you know, one-on-one. And how many YouTubers are more famous or just as famous as a Hollywood celebrity? Yeah. Now TikTokers. Now, you know, <laughs> TikTokers, exactly. Like they have uh, millions of followers, subscribers, whatever that, you know, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Can you explain or do you know what the opening card? So they kind of show that Griffin mm-hmm. with the number 79. And then there's like all this French writing after it or something. Oh, I think that's a um, that's the 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 festival the film festival right where this debuted i think let's 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 all scrub and we'll see and i also want to get into so this trailer is well done well crafted well cut one of the best trailers i've seen in a long time it's a it's fantastic it's on netflix it makes me want to i think netflix scored with this one i think this is going to be a boon for netflix to bring back people Uh uh-huh because they've lost a ton of people over you know the past year a a million just just short of a million in the past quarter which which was which was half of what they projected they they projected two million so that's a win so they were able to say we only lost 900 it's not as bad as we thought that's literally the quote of like of Reed Hastings, so it's kind of strange. But I think, though, Blonde is going to bring back a lot of people. So I, I think the quality, I think the quality of this is what people are looking for. So they try, they tried, they tried the the quantity. They had a, a huge uh, gap to make up in quantity. When when you look at you know uh, HBO Max and you look at Paramount Plus. And you look at the libraries that they command, and even Disney. Oh and even man, Di- Disney Disney's library is is deep, but it's also so rewatchable. Like there's so many things in there that I've seen that I will watch again. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and Paramount just has the depth of the the, the catalog. Man, I, I just yesterday I was just going through. You know, I'm on the Roku. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, let's just look at Paramount. You know, <laughs> and I'm going through, and I'm just like, it just doesn't end. Right, right. I'm just scrolling. Like, I mean, there's TV and stuff, sure, but I'm talking about movies. I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's just on and on. It just keeps going, and you're just like. And as you're going through, you're just picking out the iconic movies in their library. And you're just like, Paramount is solid. If if my initial reaction to when Paramount came out, I'm like, oh, great. Another streamer. Another one. Another one. Yeah. Why do I need this? You know, on and on. And, you know, there's a few shows, obviously. I mean, while well, you have all the Star Trek but there's a few shows like the offer is what got me into it. But right. but man, once you get into their their catalog. Yeah. I mean, thousands. I mean, I don't know. When did Par- how far back does Paramount go? Like the 30s, 40s? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be approaching 100 years, right? Like, yeah. It, I mean, like it's all there. It's it's like incredible. And I mean, and I guess that's what Net- Netflix knew this. Netflix knew that everyone was going to get in the game. And they knew they needed like launch trajectory. They needed uh, what is it? they need to break the orbit of Earth. You know, they need uh, launch velocity. So they needed to throw a lot of stuff into their their mill. Uh, but quality kind of suffered a little bit. And now it's like they're kind of reeling and and pulling back into the quality space. And and it, and it kind of it's very interesting to think about that. You know. 
Um, just so you know, the the lion with the wings and the 79th, it's the Venice Film Festival. So it's official selection Venice Film Festival. Oh, okay. Venice Film Festival. 90 years. Now, something. Venice, California? <laughs> I'm no, kidding. obviously, I'm because kidding. it's in it's in Italian. It's like Mostra Internazionale de Art Cinemagrafica. Oh, it's not <laughs> it's not like uh, Venice Boulevard. <laughs> Venice Beach. Two questions for you. Uh-huh. And then we can move on to Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. <laughs> um, so Universal has yet to come out with a streamer. Well, yeah. And uh, unless they partner with somebody. but And then, so MGM, like, they're no longer really an entity. They're under something, right? They're under. But they've, they're under a different umbrella, yeah. right? So, I mean, MGM has tons of stuff. You know, Bogart movies and like all the crazy stuff like film noir era and, you know, going back in the day. I mean, MGM was the Wizard of Oz. Their their big thing is Bond and and they have Bond. I think They, they own Bond. So that's their big legacy, yeah. Yeah, but if MGM's not a company, I mean, they're still a casino. But. <laughs> All right, Dungeons and Dragons, while you look that up, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. So you have something you want to say. <laughs> I have a ton to say about it as a gaming fan. Okay. Like, I run games. I play games. Uh-huh. I mean, okay, let's get the the obvious out of the way. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Okay, I, definitely going to watch it. I can't wait to watch it, right? Mm-hmm. I I have a number of critiques. I do have some positive things to say. Okay. But let me just say, though, I've already seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's called Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Um there is a little oh yeah, it's it's Marvel. It's it, I mean I, I see uh Thor Ragnarok a little bit because the Led Zeppelin It's too tongue in cheek, yeah. It's it's kind of on the in other words, what I mean by that is it's it's on the nose. I mean, when you're looking at Immigrant Song uh-huh. and Ragnarok, you know, and, and here they're playing like whole lot of love. Right. Like I don't know how whole lot of love has anything to do with like we stole the wrong thing and now we got to return it. Right. The the other side of that too is as Chris Pine, you know, they're walking through uh, uh, Neverwinter is the town or the city. They're walking <laughs> through that. Okay, nerd, calm down. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally nerding out right now. I'm in my element right here. So they're walking through Neverwinter. Freshly, I mean, this is like medieval fantasy, right? Uh uh Freshly swept. There's no animals. There's no animal droppings. Right. There's no, like, cracks in the sidewalk. (laughs) It looks like a Dungeons and Dragons theme park. (laughs) So they're going through there, and it's just one of those things, like, as, and then they're talking about, like, they're, they're kind of giving you the plot points or the entire plot as they're doing this walk it felt heavy handed a bit. Again, it was it was very clean, much like the dungeon scenes felt too clean. I, I would have preferred to have seen something like Excalibur from what was that? Ni- early 80s, 80. OK, yeah. 82 i want to say that i think the witcher series on netflix Uh, okay is 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 like that more grim dark sort of a a feel grittier grittier yeah and it has light moments witcher has light moments it does and it has some tongue-in-cheek spaces 
but it has a grittiness to it that that is a through line. And I think like Henry, Henry, Henry Cavill, right? Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, yeah. I think Henry Cavill being a Witcher fanatic helps a lot. I, I think oh, I, th- yeah. I think maybe I don't know who in, we'll have to see if the, any of this cast comes out as playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sure they'll they'll do some of that in the in the press junkets that they do whether they actually are into Dungeons and Dragons and we'll see. Oh, like are they play are they gamers? Are they gamers? Have they done it? Like have, you know, you know, have you do you have a long legacy of it because I think if you have a true fan in there then you can you can have some tongue-in-cheekness but i think there were definitely times when henry cavill was like oh no this wouldn't have happened like this (laughs) he was calling them on 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 some of the bs that they're trying to trying to pump into the 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 films uh, or or series yeah (laughs) i know i love that i love that When, when when like the guy who's your main character is such a fan that he knows when you're trying to like shoehorn something yeah Overreach. override like a scene <laughs> or whatever but as i go through my my list of thi- uh, you know my litany of things let me know if i hit on what you were going to talk about yeah i will i i will i will i will i, I want to want to see okay that. so the dungeon scenes as i mentioned uh are, are very clean uh-huh. like i i picture dungeons as like uh, you know, you have like lime dripping off of like the crags and it's just yeah, yeah, moldy and mildewy. But the mimic was cool. The mimic was that thing that was the chest where the tongue comes out. OK. All right. So and mimics want to eat you and they can obviously mimic anything. And as a game master, what <laughs> you if you really want to mess with your with your players, put a mimic in there. Right. Uh-huh. They're going to sit on the bench. Are, is the bench going to eat them? Right. They're going to walk into a room, open a door. Is the door real or is it a mimic? Right. <laughs> you could get to the point where the whole frickin dungeon is a bunch of mimics. And it. Oh, wow. I mean, that kind of makes for lame play, but but it keeps the players on edge and they're always questioning, which gets into like, you know, how we talk about meta watching. Right. Right. It gets into like metagaming. Right? <laughs> it's like, would Jim do this to us? It's like, don't ask if I'm going to do it. You just play the game. And if you die, you die, you know, but. I think another scene, there was another scene where they showed, uh, like, you know, just a battle, like a field battle. Right. Um, and this is more of, uh, I don't know, a complaint against just movies in general okay. than this is that if you think about a medieval battle scene, there are so many people that you don't have room to swing a sword. So what a lot of times movies do is they just like unpopulate a battle scene to give people room to move space to, yeah. And do like crazy, like martial arts maneuvers or something, you know? And, and I mean, and, and you see it here too. So, I mean, that's not a Dungeons and Dragons thing. That's just more of like a movie critique. It's like a cin- a cinematic uh, trick. Have to do it. To- right. So Mel Gibson in Braveheart can have a, a dramatic battle. Right. Instead of getting lost in the crowd, you know, and, and it's just it is what it is. Mace flying above his head, you know. <laughs> Again, in no particular order, but I think uh, one of the things I thought was kind of cool, so I don't play 5th edition, but in 5th edition, and, and I think in all the editions, actually, you're not, so they they show the owl bear, mm-hmm. right? They had the shapeshifter uh, right, character right. in their group that turned into the owl bear, and you cannot turn into an owl bear. So this is like an Easter egg that I'm seeing pop up. <laughs> 
they're about to release like um, not necessarily like six edition, but it might be like five point five. OK. All right. It's going to be the same edition, but they're going to do enhancements to it. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to see your characters now being able to shift into an owl bear for those characters that could do that. So I think that's kind of an Easter egg that they're placing. Oh, OK. What and and explain it to me because I have not partaken. I do not play. Um, but is it like there's no you know when you think of Lord of the Rings, they're characters. Okay. Uh, but here there's worlds and uh, species. Are there actual characters that that are referenced? Are there specific characters that you battle against? Because all the people that come to Dungeons and Dragons, they make their own characters. Correct. Uh, mostly correct. Yes. So, um, generally speaking, you're going to create the character that you play and you roll up the character, you power them up, you, you name them, you do all this stuff, right? When you get like the basic sets, when you get the, the entry level, like I've never played me and my friends want to play for the first time. I went to target. I bought the box set. Mm -hmm. Um, it comes with the one-off dungeon like a a one-shot dungeon and um we're gonna sit down and play for the first time they do give you pre-rolled characters Mm -hmm. so the the woman with the horns is um her her race is called a tiefling and i don't remember the character's name off the top of my head but in uh we've talked about uh critical role and um vox machina right, the right, thing right. on mm-hmm. on uh um, amazon and such and she i don't know if it's her but she looks very much like her okay so i think there's more like when you look at like the professional like and I'm using air quotes, the professional (laughs) gamers who create their characters who become popular. I think you have those characters. Uh, Okay. But in the general scheme of things, no, there's not Aragorn or anything like that. Right, right, right. And, and to me that, that, so here's my, here's my thought. Like you said, you've seen this before. It's like Thor, it's like that. And I'm like, you know, I, I actually draw a closer resemblance to pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I can see that. I was in Pirates of the Caribbean last night. It was the last ride of the night. And I'm going through there and they've kind of Oh, it's back open. Yeah, they open it back up. Any differences? No, Jack Sparrow's still in there, you know, and the They just cleaned they it cleaned or something. It. Yeah, they you know, it's it, it's good to clean it every now and then. Um but it, it was like Jack Sparrow wasn't always that prominent. We were always kind of chasing. They were always kind of doing some some things. But it's really about the pirate life, you know, and Tortuga and all that stuff. So when the movies came about, it was really like a a feeling, like a uh, an iconic kind of group uh, idea. You know what I mean? Like, how can we take this iconic thing? That really had no characters and hang some characters in this space and then make a franchise out of it. You know, take a franchise that exists in in one realm and, you know, either in theme parks or in this case in role playing and then actually imbue it with characters with life and then see if a franchise can come out of it. I agree. And I, I think you are on to something there. And and. I, I'm probably saying what you're saying in like way too many words. <laughs> well, you're so close to it. You're so close to it. You're, you know, you're a game master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like another way to think about it too is like I wouldn't necessarily, like I think the blonde 
trailer and movie is art uh-huh. where this isn't art, but this is more of a product. OK, right. So when you think about it in that way, it's like it's it's intended to be a movie that hits the quadrants. Yeah. Hasbro is a huge company. Mm-hmm. It's it's the biggest gaming company out there. They own the D&D product. They produce they produce this movie. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they funded the movie and everything. And it's it, they're looking at the box office and they need to pay out to their shareholders. Yeah. Right. So when you when you're thinking about it in terms of just as you said, with uh, is this going to be a franchise? I think that's what they're looking for. Right. They want to hit the broadest audience possible. And one of the major issues I see with big companies like this is and, and big companies like anything. Right. I mean, yeah. You know, you look at the startup space, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So you just like go for it, you know, and, and, and I think like. Right. Go for broke. Yeah. And if you think about like even Facebook and stuff like move fast, break things. Yeah. Well, and the, but they become conservative over time because. You can't rock the boat too hard, upset people, your share price goes down and you have a duty to the shareholders and, you know, whatever it is. Right. Once you become public and something like this or a big movie house, like we were talking about Paramount and such versus, say, like an A24. Right. The small house, uh, a movie house or production house like A24 is willing to take risks because they don't yet have enough to lose. Right. A lot less to lose. Yeah. Paramount <laughs> is not going to throw it all out there that can make or break the company. Right. 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 You know, they're just way too big. You know, I also think that uh, when we look at a lot of movies like this, whether it's, you know, you look at Chris Pine, you know, and and, and you look at Star Trek, uh-huh. you look at, you know, I mean, there's there's scenes here where they're talking to whoever they're talking to. And you could just tell by the facial expressions and you know the snarkiness of the conversation they're trying to whatever the movie is right they're trying to dismantle the bomb they're flying spaceships they're picking locks and while they're doing this they're like arguing with each other right and they're like giving put downs back and forth (laughs) you know and and whenever they do these things they're like always walking right so there's that side of it, too, where it's like so cliche, like, I don't need your snarkiness right now. I don't need your little quips and one offs and and little digs. Like, let's have a little bit of seriousness to make this like a really good movie instead of just uh, uh, two hours of one liners. Right. Or, or I get the feeling that this is going to be the case in this movie. I get the sense that this is going to be one of those movies where like it's just a bunch of snark one-liner quips where they're all like beating on each other and every time they go to fight the dragon they're going to be in the middle of the fight the dragon's breathing fire and they're yelling at each other and stuff you know and it's like "Eh, come on you know like let's make it at least somewhat i get it you're fighting a dragon it's not real right but like at least make me believe it's real yeah you know and those are some of the things um and then the last thing which i think you can uh you'll you'll kind of nerd out on and get into is where did you say this was released comic-con comic-con right yeah gen con 
is the original Dungeons and Dragons oh. convention going back to like the 70s. Right. Okay. And I mean, you're talking like for 30 years, Gen Con was the D&D convention. Yeah. Comic-Con wasn't even a thing. Of course. Yet they released the Dungeons and Dragons trailer at Comic-Con because, and Gen Con still goes on. It's just not in Lake Geneva anymore. That's where the Gen comes from, Geneva. Uh-huh. But it's it's in uh, uh, Indianapolis. When, when is it? Is it soon? It's like next week, I think. Okay. Well, in- or no, you know what? It might even be going on like right now. I'm not even sure. Oh, that's very interesting. It's either this weekend or next. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. But the thing about it, though, is it's like I get the feeling that they say, you know what? We have the gamers. Mm-hmm. We have the people like the whole Gen Con crowd, right? Like, right. We already have. Them. <laughs> right. They're already going to go. That's not that's not going to move my box office needle. <laughs> that's not exactly. That's not going to move the needle. You, yeah, that's the 20 million. That's the 20 million we're banking on. We need to focus on the other 80 million. <laughs> exactly. So they're going to Comic-Con to capture an entire crowd, an entire pop culture generation of people who are, are not yet gamers. Right. We're going to go attack those people now. Unfortunately, the the cons, if you want to call it that, were like a couple weeks apart, so you couldn't release it simultaneous. But I don't know, man. It's like I feel like if you're gonna come out with the first, they they better have they better have some content. The first movie ever for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I mean, how do you ignore the 35 plus year convention or whatever it was that's been going on for decades? You know. Well, I think yeah, I think you know you you splash with the Comic Con because it's a big platform and it's where all the big big boys play. But I think you don't. Hopefully, okay. So I looked it up. It's August fourth, so August fourth, August seventh. Okay, so it's next week. So so next weekend, um, Indianapolis, like you said. So. We're, it would we'll love to see how if they do any press if they do anything there if they don't if they they just they, they shouldn't snub them you know what I mean <laughs> like sure do your splash but let's not let's not alienate and snub our core audience which is going to be our biggest uh champions when when we release you know if if we can if we can pull this together um are you good is that is that most of your stuff because I have that's everything one, I got one comment my one comment to this uh oh is um, I didn't hit it. It's a little, it's a little technical thing. Now, this is something I'm not on the creative side, but I have heard, you know, a good 14 years worth of creative notes. So I've heard a lot of different things and I, and I pick up on a thing here and there. When you have an iconic voice like Chris Pine to open this trailer with a VO over a flyover of the ocean or whatever it is, you know, where it's his VO. That's yeah. That's the scene I was talking about where he's talking, where he's giving the heavy handed plot. All I could think about was BMW. <laughs> he's the voice of BMW. And with the flyover, I'm expecting us to go over some windy road where we see a BMW from. from and then from, all of a sudden the like, car hits the Autobahn. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I'm like, oh, this this is the beginning of a BMW commercial. And here's the, Chris Pine, the voice of BMW. And it's so funny. I used to work for uh, jo- uh, for the manager of the previous voice of BMW. So, so, um, so I know that 
deal. It's a great deal. They give you a BMW. They give you, you know, mountains of cash and stuff. But I could totally see the scene that you're like describing where like you come rolling over like the the Bavarian forest. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's like, a, I don't know, a seven series BMW just right. ripping ass through the, the, the countryside. The M, M, M series, you know, flying up and down there. And to me, so this is the note I've heard more than a couple of times. If you're going to start with a voiceover and it's a character we don't know, you're going to have to show that you kind of have to show the character speaking first or else, you know, the audience is kind of left to to piece it together for themselves. Yeah. So you're saying show them walking and then show them talking. You kind of, you kind of, you know, you're, you're setting it up. But what are you setting up? You know what I mean? Like I thought BMW, but while you were talking, I was like, if you don't, even if you don't, maybe you don't watch commercials anymore, you don't know that he's a voice in BMW. He's still, you know, he's still, um, uh, Captain Kirk, you know what I mean? Like he's still, he's still the franchise, you know, captain of the new Star Trek. And that could easily be an alien planet where he's, you know, he's talking about, you know, talking from Captain Kirk's, uh, Captain, yeah, Captain Kirk's position. So you know, both of those things, he is, he is a distinguished, a distinguished, not- notable voice, and they kind of carry too much weight with his other his other endeavors. So you kind of have to show you have to kind of have to show it before. Hundred percent. And maybe that's what I meant when I thought it was heavy handed. And I think what your comment is, it it's not needed. Like, let's get into how they're how they're executing Dungeons and Dragons. You know what I mean? Like, you're not gonna you're not gonna explain anything to to us. You've explained it by calling this a Dungeons and Dragons movie trailer. You know? Yeah, I want to watch the movie for a reason, <laughs> and it's not your exposition that you're trying to tell me in 12 seconds. Right, right. Yeah, in a way, I, I guess uh, we, we were we, we were saying similar things in different ways. Mine just different angles, different approaches to that. Yeah, and mine just took way too much time to get there. So. <laughs> no, no, yours was in depth and and thoughtful, and mine was just like, eh, I'm listening to the first five seconds, and I'm already out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I mean, I'm going to watch it, you know, and 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 I know the boys want to watch it. We play Dungeons and Dragons as a family. Um, we, we play like an older version of the game. Uh-huh. But I mean, I'm an older version of the game, <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It just it seems I, I'm excited about it. But at the same time, it's just one of those things where it's like too, uh, too clean, too washed. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the execution is. We'll see the parts between the parts that we've seen in here in the trailer. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. And and uh, yeah. And it, yeah. If they hang it together, if they hang it together in a specific way that it pays off, then maybe we just saw all the funny stuff in this one. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe they just exactly. they pieced it together here like this for for uh for the team yeah yeah cool all right man what are you watching all right so not watching too much um i guess we'll let me start with the strange worlds uh strange new worlds the star trek um series where it's captain pike is is really it's really growing on me uh and i Anne and i want to watch it now regularly i love that you guys are like trekkies though yeah no and it's and to me i was like we tried to watch a discovery and it was so it's so wrapped up in one story discovery was you know like the story of the half vulcan half um, half human woman that when you have one story like that, you know, if you're if you check out at all on that story, the B stories are never going to hold you. Right, right, right. You know, when you when you take 
Star Trek and you make it a procedural the way that the 70s series was, the way that the next generation was, when you put the character development in B plots and you put the standalone procedural in the A plot space, you're, that's the formula for Star Trek success and Star Trek, you know, truth. You know what I mean? Like, I want a an A-plot story that you're in this weird place, and by the end of the episode, we're going to solve this one big thing. And sure, we'll learn a little about the characters, and there'll be a little bit of a character arc, but let we'll keep that in the B-plot and the C-plot. We'll keep it, you know, to 10 minutes of the episode. You know what I mean? Like, keep the majority of it about killing the guy in the red shirt and get it and solving the <laughs> mystery of this one episode. You know, <laughs> like, it needs to be standalone. In, in X-Files, they did really well and through the through the last seasons of x-files they kind of tipped the the other direction to where they were talking more about the legacy more about the yeah you don't need the through line to be like 19 episodes right right yeah so i mean i i'm liking it, it you know they're they're starting to kind of go down the idea of like spock's brother or whatever spock's half brother so i don't know if we're gonna get too much into that and Anne's and always like why do they always do this stuff with Spock? Like Spock is like, they just hang all this crazy stuff on Spock. I said, because in the original series, he was so quiet. <laughs> you know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't talk too much. He was too logical to, to blabber on. So, <laughs> so he just gets to, you know, he gets all the, the great backstory now because, you know, you can imbue him with any of the stories you want. Um, we watched that. We watched uh, Ghostbusters, and I can tell you, Ghostbusters Two, it is the best uh, Ghostbusters uh, of of all of them. Ghostbusters Two from like back in the day. <laughs> yeah, nineteen. Oh, what is it? I don't even know. Nineteen ninety. Why? Okay, what makes? I, like, I love the first one. What makes two the best? I mean, I've seen it, but I'm just saying. So two is the best, I think, because of where I was at the time that I watched it. It was one of the movies that I really watched over and over with my friends, and we would quote Janos to each other. Janos, the, the character <laughs> Janos, where's the baby? You know, like all every single line. Uh, Pete, what is it? Pete Nichols, Mike Nichols. I don't know what his name is. The actor, <laughs> this actor who's such a great like character actor, he delivers every line of this this guy to this the fullest. And I'm like, Bryce and Audrey, check out that handshake, that that dead fish handshake. <laughs> like, and I was, and I was and I was quoting it and I was just like I was reveling in this in in two. So I, I just love uh, two so much. Uh, Ghostbusters two and the soundtrack. I listen to the soundtrack nonstop. So we pulled the soundtrack out of the Spotify playlist and we were playing that this week. Oh, too. very cool. Um, and then what else? Um, Anne and Bryce are watching the the bad guys because I think Anne was out of town when we saw that in the theater. Um, so they're enjoying that. Bad guys. The bad guys. It's the one with the uh, the wolf and it's like they're they're th- thieves. They're heist. It's a big heist cartoon movie. You haven't seen that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You saw that, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's that's about it, I think. There's a bunch of bunch of other stuff. Yeah, like each bad guy was a different animal or something. Right, a wolf, a shark, uh, a snake, exactly, a yeah. piranha, and a tarantula. Yeah. How about you? What have you been watching? I watched uh, Lego Star Wars stop animation today. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that. I saw that. I saw that too. I apologize. Yes, that was. <laughs> well done the gun the gun the gun flare amazing was that amazing yeah i love the gun flare and i love how like on the ships the the things are opening and closing yeah. <laughs> and guys are cr- 
No, so my son, Tim, you know, he's nine years old. He's like, Dad, I want to do stop animation. I said, okay, so I got my camera that does stop animation. Well, I, actually, I didn't even use the camera. Um, it does it in camera, but we didn't do it in camera. We just took photos. And then I dropped it into iMovie. Oh, okay. Um, and I did it that way. And then, uh, so what, what he did was he made like a Star Wars battle scene mm -hmm. and, you know, people are rolling over each other with battle <laughs> tanks and crazy stuff. But it was like 50 seconds, I think. That was great. How, how long did it take? All day. Okay. That's good. I think he took like 600 frames. Wow. That's great. Patience. He has patience. He took a few breaks. He's like, I'm so tired. I'm like, are you done? You want to finish it? No, my, my story still has to keep going. So it's all silent. So did he did he storyboard it? No, he didn't. I told. Yeah, we talked about that. He's like, I'm just going to I get all in my head. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. so I told him, I said, well, you know what? Let's get some sound effects. We can add music. We can add different like laser blasts to various frames. And mm -hmm. I can show you how to do that stuff. And so we'll get into that. But cool. Um, the we finished out pew 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 pew. I'll do. I'll I'll give you a little. You you can use my audio. It's all right. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think we might use that. <laughs> give me a few more. Take give me a few more. Pew 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 pew. Okay, got it. <laughs> clean clean. There you go. <laughs> clean. Uh, so yeah, we finished, um, after we recorded last week, there was a couple more days of the men's tour to France. Okay. And then all week we've been watching the women's tour to France. So you are the father of a female athlete. Yes. And my wife has had to put up with all of my bicycle <laughs> racing, watching all this time. And when I, when, when I can, I do try and find uh, women's bike racing to motivate her. But even when it's on, it's like five-minute clips and stuff. So they don't do much. So we've been watching the women's Tour de France all week, right? So here's the main thing. The men's race started in 1903. How long has that been going on? Eh, you do the math. <laughs> 119 years, right? Yeah. It's been going on for like, well, it stopped for a couple of world wars. A while. But about that, it's been going on forever. Okay. I'm like, I told her, I said, what do you mean it's the first one ever? They've had other Tour de France's. Well, 1984 was the first one they had. And it was like one or two days. It wasn't even that long. And the first Tour de France winner was this American woman. Uh, Marion, uh, Mar uh, Marion Martin, Marion Marin Martin. I'm not even sure to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> but here's the crazy thing. In 1984, she wins a thousand dollars. The male winner that year was Laurent Fignon. Uh -huh. He wins $250,000. Holy smokes. Okay. So talk about disparity in pay. <laughs> the woman from the United States had to get an airline ticket yeah. pack pay her own airfare had no mechanics Ugh. no one like doing diets no one feeding her no one no mechanics nothing had to do her no masseuse no masseuse no nothing had to do her <laughs> or, or pay for it out of her own pocket i love i love uh armstrong talking about there was no masseuse there was no chef like come on dude what are you doing oh yeah 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 that one <laughs> no mechanic no <laughs> so this woman had to like pay her own way did everything herself and she wins a thousand bucks <laughs> like she lost she lost money totally lost money <laughs> so you think like okay 84 she's driving the way 
for the future of women. I mean, we're talking the 80s. Like, you think at some point women are liberated. Nope. This is the first tour that they've actually done any team cars, you know, like good coverage, people on the side of the road cheering them on, just like a men, a men's race, right? Mm-hmm. And Clarissa is totally into it. I've been watching it. The racing's been great. The men's is twenty-one stages. The women's is eight stages. It's it's much shorter. Okay, but you got you got to get a build up to it, yeah. But you know, and a lot of what they do too is like. Cause they, 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 you know, cause like if women, when they, when they, and obviously go consult your gynecologist, but <laughs> you mean, you mean Jim, wait, you're not a gynecologist. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to give medical advice, but women, when they run, when they do whatever they do, like they stop having their period, you know, they, they have like, um, endo chronology no endocrinolo <laughs> i don't even know how to pronounce it but they they have like these like uh, uh uh hormonal changes yeah to their bodies so because of that the racing that they're doing is like cut in half from what the men is because they want to make sure like the ovaries don't get damaged or something wow. you know yeah. and i'm not even joking i mean i'm, yeah. I'm like i'm dead serious right. when i say right. that so okay sure eight days but those these past eight days, the sides of the road packed with people like the whole thing. Like if you just looked at it from the bird's eye view, it looks like a men's race from afar, which is so cool because it totally gets my wife into racing, okay, into training and wanting to be a badass so much more than it does with my wife watching guys ride their bikes you know <laughs> yeah because she could totally sympathize and empathize and and understand where these women are and what they have to do some of them have kids families and they're like these pro cyclists so that's very cool um and then the last thing i watched this week i didn't really watch a lot but we've been doing more of the offer okay. but you've seen the untold uh, documentaries remember the trashers yeah 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 yeah. i've seen a couple of those so have you seen malice at the palace malice at the palace what's it about so it's when ron artest ran up into the stands and started fighting fans and stuff oh no 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 i know that oh dude it's phenomenal so is that is that meta world peace too is that is it the- meta world peace same <laughs> dude yeah so he's sitting there right he's yeah dominating the detroit pistons they're winning the game like there's no way they're double digits. Yeah. There's no way the Pistons. So he just hits this huge fall on like Ben Wallace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ben Wallace wants to like kick his ass. Right. So Ron Artest decides he's going to go lie down on the scorer's table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says like, oh, I was in therapy. <laughs> I had anxiety and depression. And my therapist told me when I feel like this, take a time out and start counting. (laughs) So he goes and lays down on the scorer's table. Yeah. There's a fan about 30 rows back. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Half cup of beer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just lobs it. Foomp. Off it goes. And this thing is like in slow-mo, man. Just Uh, like whoosh, whoosh. uh. Like doing backflips as it flies through the air and it's like the beer is like stuck inside the cup the way uh, he tosses it the perfect it's like it's like it's like a it's like a bottle flip it just holds at the bottom right yeah like 30 rows up right <laughs> boom 
hits our test square in the chest like a water balloon like a water balloon i mean how <laughs> he just flips this and nails it total like bullseye frat right? boy frat boy for sure <laughs> he could do this toss a hundred times <laughs> misses a hundred times 99 right? 99 <laughs> it only took no one. 101 he hits <laughs> i'm just saying though man like just you just see the lob come out just lobs yeah. the, the 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 cup and it's flipping, flipping in slow-mo. And the TV camera catches this thing midair. Right. The TV camera Tracks is it. following, it yeah. this, <laughs> tracking it down, right? <laughs> Boom. Hits our test right in the chest. He jumps up, runs in the fans like some d random dude who had nothing to do with it. Like he slams his head to the like the the chair back of the other oh, chair it's not even the dude not even the right dude not even the dude holy sucks the guy who did it he runs you see the guy he runs right by the guy oh the guy sticks out his foot and trips him <laughs> oh no right so they interview the guy in this thing they say do you have any remorse remorse or do you feel any consequences do you feel like you should have you know like uh, you wish you didn't do it or any of that stuff right the guy's like i just wish he fell when i tripped him <laughs> is he banned for life is he banned for life the fan yeah Oh, yeah, there, him and there were other fans, too. Another fan runs down onto the floor and decides he's going to start fighting Ron Artest. Oh, my God. Well, Artest has the reach. <laughs> You're talking about a 5'6 fat Italian guy. Artest is like, I don't know, 6'8 or whatever yeah, the hell yeah, he was. Yeah. So he's got the reach, knocks the dude out, right? Ugh. So this other guy, like, I think it was like Jerome O'Neill or something, comes running over full speed, fist in, like, cock mode, and just, like, right in the nose, man, uh, hits this dude. Uh, and it's just like, well, anyway, they get all their, you know, the whole thing. And, and I'm going to watch you know, this. But, I'm going to get this. And I, oh, dude, untold. It's on, it's on, uh, what did I watch on? Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, Malice at the Palace. Yeah, we we did watch we did watch a trailer doc. Uh, I mean, a, a a documentary series this week. Anne and I got into that DB Sweeney. It's a four episode DB Sweeney documentary. Okay, I don't know about it. Um, they served it up to us, you know. Uh, oh, and is it DB? Not DB Sweeney. What's his name? Who's who's the Skyjacker? Skyjacker. DB. No idea. DB Cooper. Oh, why did I say DB Sweeney? Okay. You know? Do you know DB Cooper? No, I don't. So DB Cooper was a the most one of the most successful stories of he he basically boarded a northwest flight in Washington state and was going to Oregon and he gave a note to the stewardess and the stewardess you know it said I want $200,000 in small bills and you know and don't don't land this plane until all my stuff's ready and and four parachutes so this guy oh yes did he parachute out of the plane he parachuted out of the plane yes and he was never and he was never caught you know and he's kind of turned into this folk hero so there's a bunch of people that are chasing after the story and trying to figure it out 
and we watch a couple of these episodes and Anne and I are into it. We like it's kind of like a mixture of a heist. Netflix? Netflix, yeah. Yeah, okay. And both the kids kind of check out really quickly. You know, <laughs> they're not into it. They don't have any nostalgia for this. And it's it's a story that we that we kind of remember, you know? Yeah. From back in the day. And there is this nostalgia of a time where this could happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like because of the way air air travels now changed, you couldn't ever get on a plane the way he got on a plane kind of without any with a parachute on your back. Well, no, no, he didn't have a parachute. He asked for the parachutes. He got on the plane with with a bomb and he didn't give any he just bought a ticket, you know, with just told him what his name was and they just wrote it on a piece of paper. Like it didn't really matter who you were when you were flying. What year did this take place? Wasn't it like uh 98ers? Or... It wasn't that long ago. No, no, no. It was no, it was longer than that. It was it was like uh it's like 50 years ago. It's it's like uh yeah. Oh, was it? Um, so it, it's it's a while ago. Um, but it's so funny. So we were watching it and the kids were the kids were talking about it and we we're like, oh, want to watch another episode? And they're like, no, we're fine. Uh, 1971 was the year. Oh, man, my birth year. There you go. <laughs> November 24th. You were already alive. There you go. You're a little baby. You're a little baby. You could have been D.B. Cooper. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I could have been, but I wasn't. So, so as we turned on the third, it's four episodes. <laughs> it's four episodes. As we turned on the third episode, I think it was Audrey. It was Audrey or Bry- Bryce. They're kind of sitting there and they're like, this is really like watching a podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, you guys are exactly right. This is like so it's a bunch of talking head interviews. And it's just like, OK, I get it. You know what I mean? And And it was it's an interesting topic and they kind of, they plus it out, but there's no real character. When you talk about, you know, the, the McDonald's, uh, monopoly thing and you kind of have that, Oh, that, that was colorful, good. uh, agent that, you know, that kind of takes over or, a pro, uh, <laughs> tackles the guy at <laughs> the beach or operation Odessa or whatever. And you got the, you know, Oh, that guys, one was good. You know I mean, there was no real standout. You know, the hero of this thing is is D.B. Cooper, and he's he's anonymous. He he's not he's a he's never been found. And you know, there's one guy who's kind of interesting. You know, Rackshaw, who everybody thinks was the was D.B. Cooper, but he would he was kind of too young to be D.B. Cooper, right? And everybody just kind of is trying to make things fit into their narrative. A lot of confirmation bias. A lot of you know, like just a lot of things that look like clues and they look like they fit together, but they only fit together because you kind of throw away everything that doesn't fit. You know what I mean? So it's, it's yeah, very yeah, interesting yeah, in exactly a psychological way to see how these people are believing, making themselves believe things that they are true, but they're not the complete truth because the complete truth is messy. Um, so that was, that was an interesting, an interesting one, but I'm definitely checking out. I'm definitely checking out the, uh, what is it? Untold. The untold that you malice at the palace, malice at the palace. Awesome. Oh, and the, and I was just I was thinking about your your women's race. You should totally watch the new Bill Burr special. Okay, Bill Burr at Red Rocks. He has. Yeah, I saw it. it. It fed it to me. I just haven't seen it. Oh, watch it. It's you know if you're a trainer fodder, it's good trainer fodder. You know, depends on how hard I'm breathing, whether I can laugh or not. <laughs> I was watching the beginning of it, and Anne's totally not into Bill Burr's kind of humor. <laughs> and he could be crass. And yeah. uh, and I was just playing it. The kids went to bed. The their door was closed. And uh, and I had it on on the TV 
and Anne was like doing something and going you know, in and out. And he, she heard something and she was like, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> I don't even want to hear this. I was like, oh, no, but if you wait at the punchline, he actually there's a thought behind it. You know, it's, Bill Burr is crass, but then he has a thoughtfulness to him that usually, you know, is, is exactly yeah. in, the, in, yeah. the, in the thesis of the overall jokes. And uh, and he definitely has a thesis here, but he does have a thesis on women's sports. And he's like, if if women's sports wants men's sports money, then women and other people have to watch the sports that, that's put in front of them. They have to not watch. They have to stop watching the things that they want, you know, Real Housewives, Kardashians and things like that, and start watching the sports that, you know, the the reason men's sports make so much money is because men and, and women all watch. You know what I mean? Like, Well, and you're right about that, because when, you know, I'm watching the Lance Armstrong, uh, we do sports that his his little network thing where he does the race coverage yeah. af- l- uh, later in the day and they then they they analyze it and stuff. And, you know, they're getting emails from people. So, you know, and he's reading the emails. People are asking questions, making comments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, the vast majority of the emails are, are from men about the women's race. Right. And I'm sure at least I'd like to think that he would read women's emails if they were actually emailing. Right. So it goes to to what you're saying. Like the people who are watching the women's race are more men than women. Right. So if women want to see women's sports progress, women have to watch women's sports. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I mean, I know Clarissa's into it. I've been watching it with her and I'm into it and stuff, but like, we're probably anomalies for this thing, you know? Um, especially United States. Right. I mean, you know, sometimes, I mean, the World Cup, soccer, you know, whatever. But, but yeah, when you think about the NFL, everybody watches the NFL, men and women. Right, right, right. All right, man. Cool. I'd ask how your beer finished, but you had like the <laughs> New Belgium <laughs> hazy IPA, you know. <laughs> How about how about yours? How did how's yours how's yours going? Did you share did you share? Oh man, it was like a mint chocolate bar. You shared with Clarissa? Yeah, Clarissa enjoyed it. And yeah, we'll see what we come up with next week. I don't know. I have a whole fridge full of of, of stuff I've been buying every time I go to the back room. Awesome. I gotta get I gotta get back into it. I'll I'll get back into it. Yeah, every trip I go there I bring back like you know, an eight pack is something. So I have like weeks on end of <laughs> beers I've never heard of and I'm hoping are amazing. Um, but yeah, this was very good. It was very minty. It was very, uh, I would say Christmassy. Okay. So it would have been good around Christmas awesome. time, but hey, Christmas in July, right? Gotta love the can logic. It still <laughs> is on July 30th as we record yes. this. It is still Christmas in July. So awesome. The can logic. <laughs> All right, man. On that note, you you have a good night. You too, man. Later. Bye. Next week, join Jim and Ted as they disarm another Hollywood bomb or marketing masterpiece. Remember, the holy trinity of podcasting. Subscribe, like, share. Special thanks to Jeremy Kent Jackson for the voiceover and Rahelio for the music.